frankly speaking. You know, we, we were just talking about talking in regards to the 2020 NFL Draft. And we're going to get that into that in just a moment. Uh, you know, I get a, locally, we're here in Bentonville, Arkansas, and I get a lot of people saying, Larry, you know, how about some Arkansas sports? And we talk a little bit about how the baseball season ended. Uh, we've had Eric Musselman videos. We had some Sam Pittman videos. And I am doing everything I can in my power to get either Eric Musselman or especially Sam Pittman, the new head coach of University of Arkansas. I'd love to interview him. We've been trying to get him on, have not heard a response back. But as soon as we can, we will get them on. But our affiliate, Channel 5, here locally in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, was able to meet up with Sam Pittman and ask him, how was it? about landing this job at the University of Arkansas? Well, I just wanted him to feel my passion for the job and, and uh, my sincerity. Um, I wanted him to feel that I was ready for the job. So those are the things that I tried to uh, visit with him about and tried to show him. You've talked about a couple times, you know, being from Grove, wanting to play at Arkansas and just didn't get that chance. But, you know, obviously it's Grove to here is not that far. And what's it mean to be able to, to really come home and, and, and be the face of a, a flagship program like Arkansas? That's something really special. You know, it's not really – I never really thought about it, to be honest with you. I never dreamt of it, uh, none of those things. I was a high school coach and, uh, and proud to be one. Um, but then the college thing kind of just – happened and then of course you know you work you work hard and, but being the head coach of Arkansas uh, never really came into my mind until I don't know maybe a month or two before before it actually happened when it when it came open when, when the news about Chad Morris not no longer being here did that did the light go off like hey I'm gonna go after this as hard as I can it did um, however you know you're right in the middle of a a really good season going on at Georgia and you certainly didn't want to uh, not do your best for Georgia so you kind of had to keep it on the back burner in your mind because uh, we were over there playing for the SEC championship and things of that nature so it made it a little bit harder but uh, certainly I knew I needed to do the job I had. Now that you're here what do you th what's the, been the most difficult part? I mean, I mean, you're really thrown into it. Early signing period was what ten days yeah. after you took the job. Is that by far the most difficult part of jumping into a new situation? Yeah, the most difficult part was trying to get somebody signed on the first signing period. That was, you know, we had um, we had a media on that Monday when I was signed or when I uh, got the job, and then that Monday night we went out, but we only had four days before that first signing period out on the road so it, it was rough it was difficult and uh but you know i'm not the only guy in the country that was put in that same situation there was other coaches too but that would have been by far because you don't know anybody really um on staff and you don't know who they've been recruiting and uh, there wasn't a lot of similar kids as far as you know what we've been recruiting over there and and back here so uh, that was that was by far where am I going? What am I doing? You know, things of that nature. 
Sam Pittman, head coach, new head coach of the University of Arkansas, comes over. He was an assistant coach over at Georgia under Kirby Smart and really looking forward to see what he can do with this team this year. Obviously, Kirby Smart at Georgia, a terrific coach that he had coached under. So, like I said, I'm really looking forward to see how he handles Felipe Franks, the new transfer quarterback from the Florida Gators. We're going to get into my draft now. And it's, what, April 24th? is It's not that far away, folks. We're roughly looking at two weeks, and uh, the NFL draft will be done virtually this year. And my top picks are as follows. We're going to start with... Um, Number one, we'll just go one through five rather than five through one. And I honestly think the Bengals, as of now, if everything stays the same, I believe the number one pick in the draft could be or will be Joe Burrows, uh, the quarterback from LSU. Joe is, what, 6'4", 216 pounds, what a year he had last year. 5,671 yards passing. He was 402 out of 527. Simple math, 76.3 completion percentage. 60 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. And you know what? If you add his rushing yards, which was 368 yards... He had over a 1,000 yards, all-purpose yards. It's incredible. This guy just had an incredible year at LSU. Now, people, I said, most likely, there is something. I, I really believe that the Dolphins, who have 14 different picks, and they start at number five. Number five, that's where they're going to be picking. I would not be surprised if they trade up for the number one pick and the Bengals go after Tua and the Dolphins go into number one and pick Burroughs. Now, people ask me, why do you think that? Well, let, let, let's think about this logically. The Bengals still have Andy Dalton. They're not satisfied with Andy Dalton, but... They, they still got him. He's a veteran quarterback. Two is coming off an injury. Now he says he's ready, but this might not be a bad time for Tua to come in, sit a little bit under an Andy Dalton, make sure his leg's 100% while he's learning. Once Tua becomes healthy, they release Dalton. That is a possibility. Meanwhile, in return, the, the Dolphins get the number one pick and then end up picking Burroughs, and you may see the Bengals go to number five and pick Tua, but also get an one of those additional draft picks from the Miami Dolphins. That's a possibility. But as of now, based on what we have, the top, Five picks. We're going to say the Bengals are going to pick LSU quarterback uh, Joe Burrows. 
Number two pick is the Washington Redskins. They have their quarterback. They're pretty confident in Dwayne Haskins. So I don't see them going in the first round for a quarterback. What they really need is an offensive lineman. Somebody to solidify that offensive line at left tackle. And I don't think there's anyone better right now than all SEC first team left tackle out of Georgia, Andrew Thomas. I think Andrew Thomas is going to be the individual that the Redskins go after and seek. He's 6'5", 320 pounds. He'll just, you know, he'll just fill that offensive line up. So that's my, that's my opinion there. Now the Lions, the Lions pick number three. Okay, and I believe Bob Quinn, the general manager, has nine picks in this draft. So a lot of people, and one of the big needs for the Lions, I think if I had to think of their number one need, the Detroit Lions, is on the defensive side with a linebacker. I think the Lions go after the Clemson's big guy, linebacker, Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah 6'4", 215 pounds. He had 67 solo tackles last year, and... 16.5 of those tackles were actually resulted in a loss for the opposing team. Also had eight sacks and three interceptions. Great pick at number three for the Lions if they do that. Well, that leaves the Giants. The Giants need a defensive end. They need that edge rusher. They need a guy who can really make a difference at the end position. And you know, the best person at number four, if the draft goes the way I have it going, would definitely be Chase Young out of Ohio State. Defensive end is 6'5", 265 pounds. He was fourth in the Heisman Trophy voting last year. He had uh, 46 total tackles, 32 of them solo, and he had 16.5 sacks. That's one 6.5. You're talking about putting pressure on the quarterback. What an addition this guy would be for the New York Giants. And then I'm a number five pick. And once again, it's the Dolphins. We talked about this a little earlier. If they don't trade up for Joe Burrows, um, remember the Dolphins have 14 picks in this 2020 NFL draft. So there's a lot they can do. If they really want Joe Burrows, they can move up and get the Bengals. But let's say they stay at number five. They need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. It's easy. There's no, you know, some people are saying Herbert, you know, he needs to go. No, I take Tua. Tua is unbelievable all-around athlete can escape the pocket, has a beautiful arm. He's 6'1", 218 pounds. He's out of Alabama uh, last year in an abbreviated season because I know he got hurt. He had a 71.4 completion percentage. Had 33 touchdowns. Listen to this. 33 touchdowns and only three interceptions. He threw just shy of 3,000 yards once again, he was injured. So in a synopsis, my type first five picks of the draft, and I said this earlier, if the Dolphins don't 
trade up to number one the following order. Bengals pick number one, Joe Burrows. Redskins with the second pick, pick Andrew Thomas. Lions with the third pick, pick linebacker Isaiah Simmons. Giants pick defensive end, Chase Young with the fourth pick. And then the Dolphins pick quarterback Tua. I never can pronounce his last name. Talo Viloa out of Alabama. I just call him Tua. So those are my first time... Uh, my top five picks in the NFL draft. I'd love to hear your opinion. What, you know, reach me at franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of my picks. Also, you can go to the Frankly Speaking page. Frankly Speaking page on Facebook. You can go to uh, Larry Frankis. That ends with a U.S. I'll leave a message right at the end. We'll be back. Right after this message. Go Hogs. Yes, sir. Go Hogs. Yes, that was Sam Pittman, the head coach of the University of Arkansas football team. Personally, I want to thank everybody for listening to our show today. I want to once again remind you that at the end of this podcast, you can leave a voice message of any kind you want relating to the sports industry. If you want a topic, you want me to answer a question, just leave the voice message at the end. You'll see a link where you can do so. Or go to franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. Want to thank everybody for joining us today. We look better for, we look Forward to an even better tomorrow. All of you, I ask that you stay healthy during this very, very difficult time. God bless you all, and we'll see you tomorrow. Welcome to a Tuesday morning, April 8th, for another episode of Frankly Speaking. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and we have a packed full show for you today. We're going to be later on talking about my first five drafts in the 2020 NFL Draft. Uh, we're going to also be hearing an interview from Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, on what his thoughts about the season continuing in the NHL or not continuing in the NHL. And we'll talk about other related NFL, Major League Baseball, um, or any other sports topics that seem to come up at that time. This day in history, April 8th, 1974, probably one of the most memorable days in Major League Baseball history. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone.
marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass, threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. That was Hank Aaron back in 1974 breaking Babe Ruth's record of most home runs in a career. Obviously, that would be later on broken by Barry Bonds, but what a just great, great, memorable moment. You know, we'll try to keep you updated on stuff like that. What happens in history? I think it's really exciting for us to play different things like that. I know yesterday we played a couple of clips uh, and so on and so on. So we'll continue to do that. Uh, some breaking news in the NFL, which I think is terrific news, is next year... Uh, pass interference replay will no longer be involved. So in other words, the pass interference replay is going away. Um, they found out that not it really didn't make much of a difference on an overall average to continue to have it. And, you know, as far as in my opinion, you know, the refs are there to do the job. They're human just like players. They're going to make some mistakes, but statistics are showing that a very high percent of the calls that they do make are correct. So the NFL, Roger Goodell, they decided not to have instant replay next year. If you listened to our show yesterday, we talked a lot about, I know, Major League Baseball and how they were talking about coming up with this idea of possibly uh, resuming play at the end of May. So sometime around Memorial Day, and I got a little bit of flack about some of the things I said, not too much. You know, people understood my point of view, and I got other people's point of view, and I want to make sure that everybody understands that my comments yesterday was not to put the athletes in harm's way. My only point I was trying to make yesterday was that eventually we got to go back to work. Um, we don't have to do it at unsafe times, of course, but there's going to be a point where we have to get back to work and there's just no right or wrong time in people's eyes to do so because no matter when we do so as an athlete as a fan there's always going to be that possibility of getting sick now yesterday mike gundy the oklahoma state coach came out with some very controversial comments on which he thought that his his football players um he basically said he hopes to have his players back by May 1st. 
at Oklahoma State, at the university. He says he's trying to find answers and solutions based on, you know, what situations we're in right now. And let me play these comments, which some consider very controversial. That was Mike Gundy of Oklahoma State. And those were the comments he made uh, that were controversial. And I don't know if I 100% agree with that or actually agree with that at all. I think Mike's ready to get back to work. But, you know, everyone's trying to take the information that the experts are giving them. For example, they're saying that People in that age range of college student are not as acceptable to get the illness as people over age 50. That seems to be the group over age 50 that seems the most tragic, uh, the most deaths, uh, the most, uh, you know, illnesses in the United States of America. And that's based on statistics. And that's what Mike's trying to do. Now, if there's an upward swing in this illness, I think it's very foolish what Mike's saying. But I think, once again, everyone is trying to look for ways outside the box. And Mike's just trying, you know, he's trying you know, and I'm not defending him, but he's trying to figure this out. Uh, you know, he wants to live his life, I'm sure, as back as we all do, as back to normal as possible. And a lot of his comments just, uh, I won't say they're taken out of context because I can definitely understand why. And I think all of you can understand why. Um People are calling it controversial. I'd love to hear your opinion on the Mike Gundy comments. Once again, you can reach us at franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. You can go to our Frankly Speaking Facebook page, which is getting huge. Just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yesterday, close to 500 views, which is good for us. Uh, you can also reach me at Twitter. I've got a couple comments yesterday at Twitter. Uh, it's at Larry Frankis with a U.S. at the end. And of course, remember right at the end or during this podcast, there is a link to voice message where you can voice record a message and I'll play it right here on our podcast. We'll be back right after this message. My motivational tip of the day comes from a quote from one of the great, great leaders in our nation for years in terms of the military, politically, whatever you want to say, just a classy guy, Colin Powell. He said, yes, success doesn't come 
in terms of easy. It comes by hard work. It comes by preparation. And it comes by learning from your mistakes in life. How true that is. Work ethic, desire, dedication, determination, discipline, the four Ds of life which we've talked about in the past. They're so vital if you want to be a success. And that's exactly what certainly Mr. Powell was talking about with his quote. Yes, preparation and hard work, man. I'll take you to the winner's circle. And I know you want to go to that winner's circle. Want to remind all my fans out there and listeners, hopefully you both, <laughs> that there are a lot of restaurants out there. A lot of restaurants that used to, about 30 days ago, had their dining rooms wide open. You would go in there. You would enjoy yourself. You sit down. Maybe it was a sports bar where you watched the television and watched a great NCAA basketball game, NBA game, NHL game. Well, guess what? We're not able to do that now. And a lot of these mom-and-pop restaurants and sports bars, they're suffering dearly. They need your help. I ask you to please order a carryout or delivery order. Uh, go online. I'm sure most of them you can order online and help these individuals out. A lot of them are in very, very dire need for your business as they are on the verge of closing because of this coronavirus. It, it may only take one order. It may take two orders, but if you can just order today one order from this business, you can be the difference between this business staying open or this business closing its doors. Well, I want to once again remind you that your input on any topics or any thoughts, if you have any questions, to please contact us at Larry... At, uh, at Larry Frankis on Twitter, that's a U.S. at the end. You can go to our email, which is franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. Please like us on our very popular Facebook page where you can also listen to these podcasts. And that is the Frankly Speaking Facebook page. We also have a message link right here. All you have to do is leave your name, message, a topic you want me to talk about, or a question, and we'll put it on the air for you. Now, before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about the baseball season beginning back up, and the NHL season is another one, just like the NBA, that has to figure out in the next 30 days what they're going to do. Basically, what they have to do is they have to figure out if they're going to resume the season or not resume the season. And, you know, I am twofold on this idea. I think if something can be done as far as them beginning the season no later than the end of May or resume it, and I think the same thing with the NBA, I, I think it can be done. I think anything later would just not really fit into the sports industry as well. And let me explain what I mean by that. What I mean by that is that come July, you're going to have football gearing up as long as this epidemic will allow it. Teams getting into uh, camps, 
getting ready for preseason football and so on. You're going to have baseball getting back into gear, hopefully at the end of May. Then, let's not forget right around that corner is going to be college football, hopefully beginning. So now if you wait any, any longer, see if you start by the end of May, you're going to have playoffs going into June and July, finish the Stanley Cup, finish the NBA championship, and you still have those other sports not conflicting with each other. But if it lasts any longer than that, I, my belief, my opinion is that they need to cancel their season. As much as they don't want to do that, just for the best of sports. At the end of the day, you're going to be starting up shortly after that. Uh, it's not long before basketball and hockey starts. So I personally think that the next uh, 30 days is very crucial for saving the NHL and the NBA season. And Mike Tirico of NBC was able to sit down yesterday with Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, and was able to discuss some of the issues the league will have when it resumes play. And you make an interesting point. Roger Goodell sent out a memo with the NFL teams yesterday about equity for all 32 clubs. Uh, you, you know, let's say New York's a hot spot, right? And Governor Cuomo is going to have uh, some issues, obviously, that other governors do not. But you have four of your franchises right in the New York area, if you add the Devils right across the river over in Newark, New Jersey. Will you need to have all 31 franchises having equal opportunity to get back to preparation before you give a green light for the season to get going? Uh, our clubs, if nothing, are extraordinarily competitive. And whatever we do has to be fair, um, which is why there's been some public speculation in the media about neutral site games in, in remote parts of the country. That's just part of considering all of the potential options, depending on how we find the circumstances. But when you talk about fairness, uh, you know, we also have issues about if we get to play a playoffs, who gets in if we can't complete the regular season. We had, I think, seven teams on the bubble, and they all think they would have had a chance. We have to deal with the lottery and order of selection in the draft. So the best thing and the easiest thing would be if at some point we could complete the regular season and then go into the playoffs as we normally do. We understand that that may not be possible, and that's why we're considering every conceivable alternative to deal with whatever the eventuality is. But again, it, it doesn't even pay to speculate because nobody in any of the sports knows enough now to make those profound decisions. Right, about a dozen games left in your regular season. In uh, our last couple of minutes, do you have a window of how long it might take from a green light to when teams could get back on the ice? What are the hockey people telling you about that? Well, first and foremost, we have to give the op an opportunity for the players to get back into game shape, uh, and they're going to need to tune up, and that's something we're consulting and we'll be continuing to consult with the Players Association on because as, as important as health and well-being is right now, and that's paramount over everything and, and when and how we play sports. But when we come back, we have to make sure that we don't do anything to jeopardize 
uh, the players in terms of their ability to play and making sure that they're in game-ready shape. And that all goes into the equation. Yes, we, we need at least a couple of weeks for that. Um, and, but I do believe we can play into the summer, uh, well, into the summer. And, you know, even on, on the NBC platforms, the fact that the Olympics have been postponed gives us a broader window to focus on when and how we can play. And so nothing has been ruled in and nothing has been ruled out. And when you talk about the summer, in the older days and older times, we'd always talk about quality of ice. And obviously that's way, way, way down the pro priority list right now. But you do feel comfortable that you could play into the summer in buildings and still have the ice surface quality be good enough to hold games you know, that the, the, uh, the teams would be comfortable playing? You know, the, game, the days of when games had to be postponed because there was no air conditioning in a building or a lawn behind us. We have modern state-of-the-art buildings. We play in places like Florida, Southern California, Arizona, Las Vegas, uh, Dallas. We, we, we can handle making ice now in any condition uh, because our buildings are that good and our ice-making capability is that good, as you know, because we play outdoors too, even when it's warm sometimes. So uh, ice won't be a factor. Yeah. That, that'll be, it'll be something we'll deal with, but it'll be the least of the issues we're focused on. That was Gary Bettman, uh, the NHL commissioner, talking about the different uh, issues that the league will have to face if they come back and if they have a season. And like, like he said, there's a lot of teams. I think he said there were seven teams that were on the bubble of possibly getting into the NHL playoffs you know, when, when the season resumes. So there's a lot of thinking, a lot of thinking outside the box that really needs to go on. Now, when we come back from break, we're going to do my 2020. I'm going to only do the first five picks. So basically, it's going to be the Bengals, Redskins, Lions, Giants, and Dolphins. When I come back from break, I will tell you who I think these five teams will pick number one. Welcome back to... 